Welcome to Newport Church at Home Online, whether you're watching from another part of the United States or another part of the world, or you're local, we're so glad that you joined us. It's November the 1st, can you believe it? Only two months of 2020 left. And of course, this has been a year that none of us could have anticipated, but one of the things uh, that we can be thankful for is God's faithful, God is with us, God's working for us, and I want to really encourage you during this time, let's, let's open our hearts and open our spirits. And I pray that God will uplift you during this time of worship, during the word. And as we, as we gather together in our homes, uh, let's pray that God will do the work that only he, the Holy Spirit can do in each one of our lives. In Jesus name, amen. Church, we are so excited that you are with us this morning. Come and worship with us. Stand to your feet. Let's praise the name of Jesus this morning. Children, clean as pure hearts go. 
undeserved is freely given All my regrets and my failures All of my wrongs have been left at the cross All that remains is the Father's love
Well, we're so thankful for our worship team who always do such a great job leading us in worship. And of course, we're very excited about uh, next weekend uh, when we're going to be gathering together in church. It's such, uh, it's going to be an exciting day after eight months of not meeting. We're going to be able to gather in person. I'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the uh, of this service. But what I want to do now is I want to take a moment to pray. Uh, pray for our nation. Pray for God's grace on this time as we uh, go through the process of the election this coming week. And I think it's important for us, regardless of whatever our political uh, views are, it's important for us as the church at this time to pray. And I think one of the greatest passages in scripture uh, that I think is most pertinent at this time is Proverbs 14 and verse 34, which says that righteousness exalts a nation. When righteousness is established, a nation is blessed. And I think that our prayer should be that the outcome of the election will take us on a path of righteousness and peace for our nation. The Amplified Version puts it this way, and I think it puts it so well, righteousness, moral, and spiritual integrity and virtuous character exalts a nation. So let's pray that the result of the election puts us on that path, puts that us on that trajectory. And in the midst of it all, let's understand that God is sovereign. And in my message today, I'm going to be speaking about the sovereignty of God, which I pray will shed light, not on just this, but on the days in which we live. So I want to take a moment to pray together and, and pray that God's grace would be uh, great at this particular time for all of us and for our nation as a whole. Father, we thank you today uh, for your grace. We look to you and we thank you that you are the sovereign Lord, that you sit in your throne on, in heaven and that your purpose is being established. Uh, you said your kingdom will come and your will will be done. And so we pray at this time as we approach the election, help us uh, to keep calm spirit, help us to keep, keep focused on you and help us, Lord, to be a people who seek righteousness for this nation. We pray that the outcome of this nation would see righteousness, integrity, and virtue established. And so we thank you today. We put our trust in you and we pray for your peace in our hearts and your peace in our land. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen and Amen.
Happy Sunday and welcome to our home. Uh, this morning we have a very special guest and this is beautiful Tiana. She is one of our amazing youth at Newport Church and she also serves in our kids team, Note the Shirt. So Tiana, welcome. Thank you for hey. having me. <laughs> so we're finishing today the, um, the five senses. We've already talked about in the home segment, we've talked about sight, we've talked about sound, talked about uh, scent and we've talked about taste and I was thinking about you when it comes to the sense of touch because you are so tactile. Do you know what that means? It means you love hugs. Uh, I do. <laughs> so tell us how hugs um, are so meaningful to you especially when it comes to family and affection. I feel like because like you can like say with words that like I love you or like say really nice things but when you give someone a hug it's kind of like a shown of like an affection like they really do or they're giving me a good amount of like affection that makes me happy inside. I don't know. It just kind of makes me happy when people give me hugs. I feel like it shows that like expression that they love me even more. Yeah, so you are an amazing hug giver and I do know that you love getting a hug. So in this season um, where we are somewhat restricted by who we can hug um, because of the season we're in, yeah. um, tell us how we can reach your heart um, and touch your heart even if we can't physically come up and give you a hug at all times. Um, what touches your heart when it comes to the thought of affection and just meaningfulness? I think that if I like know that you're sincerely saying I love you or sincerely saying something, that I'll know that like it's still like the same way as a hug or even like a little elbow bump is cool too. <laughs> That's very cool. And we did a survey this morning, didn't we? Which yeah. is um, Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages for Kids. And hugging is right up there. Uh, the sense of you know physical affection and touch. So uh, thanks for being with us today. It was lovely to see your pretty face. And I just want to give you an opportunity to hug my special bear that I was given on my 21st birthday. His Aww. name is Big Bear. So why don't you sign off, give him a big hug, and tell everyone how special that feels. It's very soft. I like it. <laughs> it's so cute. Okay, well, thanks for being with us today. Lots of love, and God bless, and hug who you can. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Well, today I want to continue in the series we started last week entitled Great Grace. And the title of my message today is Strength for Today, Hope for Tomorrow. I couldn't think of a, a time when this, these words are more timely. We need strength for today and we need hope for tomorrow. And those thoughts, those words came to me as I thought about a hymn that I haven't sung for a long time, but is a classic hymn. It was written in 1923 and, and uh, has been sung for the last hundred years. Many people have done different versions of it, but it's such a great hymn because it talks about the faithfulness of God. And in that verse, in that hymn, there's a verse there which talk, says, it says this, I'm reading it now. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. 
blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. And I love that verse. And in the midst of it, it talks about how when we have an understanding that we've been forgiven, when we have an understanding of God's grace, it gives us a peace that passes all understanding. When we have God's presence to comfort us and help us along the way and to guide us along the way, we, we begin to know God's strength for today and hope for tomorrow. And what the writer of that hymn was saying is that God gives to us a measure of grace for every single day that will give us the strength that we need for that day and a hope for tomorrow. Interestingly, Jesus said, let the evils or the worries of the day be sufficient for that day. In other words, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what's going to happen. Just focus on today and God will, will help you through today. And then tomorrow will be a new, fresh day where we can experience his strength with a hope for all that comes tomorrow. As a follower of Jesus, we can know that kind of uh, strength and we can know that kind of hope because of God's grace. Last week, I talked about the grace of God. The word grace comes from the word charis, which means um, God's undeserved mercy, God's undeserved forgiveness and favor that comes to us through the work of Jesus Christ. It's a gift to each and every one of us. And, but also talks in, in, the, in the book of Acts, it says that great grace was upon the church. The word grace, great is the word mega, uh, immense, enormous, beyond our ability really to understand. That's the kind of grace that God wants each and every one of us to have. And the early church knew that great grace, which gave them strength for today. And it gave them hope for tomorrow because of the work of the Holy Spirit, giving them the grace for the season they were in during times of uncertainty, difficulty, and opposition. And I, I talked last week, and I want to reiterate it again today. We need great grace in this season. As we come out of the COVID-19 season, we don't know when that's going to finish. Uh, when we resume our Sunday services next week, next Sunday, November 8th, we're, we're resuming our services after eight months. What an awesome thing that's going to be, but we're going to need great grace as we navigate that. We have an election in just two days and in a very polarized, divided environment, um, we are going to need great grace as a nation in the aftermath of the election because there are many people who are going to be unhappy with the results of the election, whichever way that goes. Uh, in the, uh, we're, going to, we're going to need great grace. And so I feel that this is such an important word for us at this time that we navigate this season with great grace. And there are three things that I think, as I was thinking about this subject, that I, I believe that we can focus on that will help us to experience that great grace. 
And as I was meditating on this, um, strength for today and hope for tomorrow, I, I felt led to look at the story in Habakkuk, uh, where Habakkuk, one of the prophets who prophesied 700 years uh, before the birth of Christ, prophesied sometime before the nation of Judah were going to be taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And uh, the context of the book is this, um, that the northern kingdom of, of Israel, uh, the northern kingdom, of course, the kingdom, uh, the nation of Israel had been divided, split in two under Solomon's, in the reign of Solomon's son, Rehoboam. The northern kingdom, 10 tribes in the northern kingdom, and then the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah and Benjamin that were uh, that were that remained. The northern kingdom had been taken captive into captivity by the Assyrians. And what was happening was that the godless nation of Babylon was about to invade Judah. Of course, Babylon was the rising superpower at the time. And they were about to gain supremacy in the Middle East. And this was a time of impending uh, disaster and chaos, of fear, of uncertainty in the region, a time of great upheaval. And it's into this environment that Habakkuk the prophet speaks. And in chapter two of Habakkuk, there are some significant things that I want to look at that I believe can really help us in what we should be focusing on in our own particular time of upheaval, our own particular time of chaos and, and uncertainty, the same things that Habakkuk was saying to the nation uh, or the, the tribe of Judah at that time are the same things that I feel that we can apply to our lives right now so we can know strength for today and hope for tomorrow. So the first thing that, uh, that we need to focus our attention on uh, and Habakkuk encourages us to do is to focus on the sovereignty of God, to focus on the sovereignty of God. Um, rather than focusing, uh, I, Habakkuk uh, describes, if you read the book of Habakkuk, it's, it's a pretty dark and depressing book because he talks about the chaos. He talks about the ungodliness. He talks about all that's taking place. But in the middle of that, uh, in the middle of that, Habakkuk uh, brings the word of God and encourages us to focus not on all the things that are going on around, but to focus on the sovereignty of God. And in the midst of all the chaos, God's sovereignty begins to become clearer and clearer to him. Let's read these passages because I think they're important passages for us. Habakkuk says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. Then I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. In other words, Habakkuk's looking to God for answers to what's happening. So easy today to be looking to what 
is on our TV screens, to look at what the media is saying, to look at all that's taking place around us. No, Habakkuk said, no, I'm going to climb up into my watchtower and I'm going to look and I'm going to ask God and I'm going to listen to what he says. And, and he, he lifts his complaint to, to God. And then he writes, verse 2, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that he who reads it, he, he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will, not, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And then the next verse is such a significant verse. He said, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So Habakkuk is talking about uh, getting up into his watchtower, looking to God, focusing on God, focusing on God's sovereignty. And then God begins to speak to him uh, about what's about to come to pass. And we'll look at that in a little bit more detail as we move on. In the following verses, verses 4 to 14, there's a description of lawlessness, ungodliness, and evil that he's surrounded by. And, but in the middle of this uh, list of all these things that are taking place, there's this amazing verse that, that uh, we read, Habakkuk 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Here's the prophetic word that Habakkuk's writing. Here's the prophetic word that's coming. There's a time that's coming despite all the chaos, despite the ungodliness, despite all that's going on around about. There's a time that's coming when the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. I love that because that's what gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. There's coming a day when God's kingdom is going to be established. There's coming a day when the earth is going to be filled with the glory of God, where uh, just as the waters cover the sea. And that causes hope to rise in our hearts because we know that God is sovereign. God is on his throne. And, and uh, that verse is, uh, is such a powerful verse. And I love it because that, that verse is actually in a hymn that I used to sing as a boy. It's a, it's a famous hymn. When I was a, a boy, I didn't, wasn't part of a family that used to go to church, but I was at boarding school in England and we, we, were, we were made to go to church. So I went to church because that was what we did. And there was a hymn uh, called God is Working His Purpose Out. I love the, the name of that now. God is working his purpose out. And it, uh, and it was written by Arthur Campbell Anger, Anger in 1894 while he was a master, a teacher at the school that I went to. And we used to sing this hymn, and it's a famous hymn uh, sung in, in, in many, many churches around the world. Uh, but the amazing thing is that I sang this hymn as a boy, and it stayed in me. And, and I, I, somehow I feel that those words that I sang as a boy 
over and over again and would go over and over again in my mind, somehow they were kind of impregnated, indelibly stamped on my spirit. And I love it because they're words that talk about the hope that we have for the future. There's coming a day, the earth is gonna be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And even though I may not have fully understood it at the time, it was just such a powerful statement of God's sovereignty. At the end of the day, God has the final word. And this is, these are the, this is the verse in that hymn. God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. God is working his purpose out and the time is drawing near. Nearer and nearer draws the time, the time that shall surely be when the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. God's purpose is being worked out. God's working out his purpose and his purpose and his plan will be established. We can have hope for tomorrow because whatever's happening around about us, whatever goes on around about us, God is on the throne. God is sovereign. And uh, at the end, the very last verse of Habakkuk chapter two is such a powerful verse. And, and it kind of bookends the, the first few verses uh, with in the middle of chapter two, the, uh, the, the, that verse for the earth will be filled with the glory of God. And it bookends that, that chapter with these words. Habakkuk 2 verse 20, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. I'm gonna read that again, I love that. Let the, for the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. In other words, God will have the last word. God is in his temple. And with all of our ideas and all of our thoughts and all of man's uh, plans and so on, at the end of the day, God's going to have the, the last word. His plan is on track. His purpose is being worked out. And you know, whatever happens in the coming days, whatever happens uh, in, in the next months or the next years, one thing we need to be sure of in our own hearts is of the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. And throughout history, we see that God causes one nation to rise and another nation to fall. He puts leaders in and he takes leaders out. He transitions his favor and blessing from one to the other, all to do with his purpose and all to do with our response to him. And so God is sovereign. He's working his purpose out. He will have the final word. And in Psalm 82 and verse one, from the New Living Translation, I love these simple words, God presides over heaven's court. God is presiding over heaven's court and he is the one who will have the final say. He's the one whose verdict is what all of us will, will need to align ourselves to. God is sovereign. So the first thing that we need to do during this time is to, is to have a vision and to focus on God's sovereignty. And the very last verse of the book of Habakkuk is such a great verse because Habakkuk basically is saying, God, 
when, because I have a vision of your sovereignty, I can trust you. When we have a vision of God's sovereignty, when we focus on God's sovereignty, it enables us to trust God whatever happens, whatever takes place. We can trust God. And so in Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19, he says this, even though the fig tree have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, and even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. I love that. He's saying whatever happens, whatever takes place around about me, yet will I rejoice in the Lord and I'll be joyful in God because he is the God of my salvation and he's the one who resides in heaven's court. He's the one who will have the final word, let all the earth be silent before him. So that's the first focus that we can have at this time so we can know strength for today and hope for tomorrow. The second thing that we can focus on is our divine purpose. I believe that the church, that we were born for such a day as this. It's our hour, it's our moment, it's our opportunity to fulfill our purpose. God is establishing his purpose because he is sovereign, but he wants to establish his purpose in partnership with each and every one of us. And so in the first verses that we read, we read about how God said, write the vision, make it plain that he may run who reads it. And, and he goes on and, and says, uh, the just shall live by faith. In other words, we need to see and get a vision of God's divine purpose for each and every one of our lives. We are a part of the solution. Thank God that we are, God has rescued us and we, we can, through by his grace, not be a part of the problem, but be a part of the solution to all of the challenges and all of the issues and all that the world is going through at this particular point of time. And those words, the just shall live by his faith, mean that we need the only way that we can fulfill our divine purpose, our God-given purpose, is when we have a revelation of God by faith, by faith, by trust in him, by having faith in God and faith in the purpose that he has for us. And, I, and Habakkuk says, write the vision, make it plain, keep it in front of you. Don't forget your purpose. It's so easy for us to get distracted. By nature, I'm the kind of person that easily gets distracted. Um, I, multiple interests and multiple things that are happening and so easy for me to get distracted and I need to keep, I, I have to work on keeping focused, keeping focused on what I'm doing, not being distracted. And this is what God is saying, don't be distracted, keep, write the vision, make it plain, keep it in front of you, even though it tarries, keep focused on it. Uh, and, and that the, not only you, but those that read it 
can run with it and be energized by it. You see, purpose and vision uh, give us direction when the way is not clear. Maybe the way, the way right now isn't clear for all of us. We don't know what these coming months, even 2021, we're, we're, we're all praying that 2021 is gonna be a totally different year to 2020, but we don't know. The way's not clear, but uh, purpose and vision give us direction when the way's not clear. Purpose energizes us when we're weary. Vision energizes us when we're weary. Uh, do you ever get weary? Yes, we all get weary and we all need to be energized. But one of the ways to be energized is to be energized by the Spirit of God. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. And a vision and purpose also give us a message of hope to take to our world that we can take to the people in our world who don't know what it is to experience that purpose. So the second thing is that uh, we need to keep our focus on is our divine purpose. First of all, the sovereignty of God. Secondly, our divine purpose. And thirdly, godly unity. Godly unity. When we, we look at the nation of Israel, their demise came, play, came about to a large degree because they failed to understand the power of unity. Their, the great prayer, the Shema, the declaration of their faith that, that expressed their identity as, an, uh, as, a, as a nation uh, spoke of, of God as being one. Um, a declaration that that God was one and they were one people with one God in an environment that was, that was uh, uh, an environment of many gods. And, and the unity that they had as a nation that was disrupted for multiple reasons that we've looked at in our previous series, we've never been this way before. So unity, a lack of unity was a part, the reason for their demise. And I believe that there's no time like now when we as a church need to, in an environment of such disunity, in an environment of such division, where we need to be unified. Now, being unified doesn't mean that we all think the same, that we all agree on everything, that we all have the same perspective and view on life, that we all share the same uh, kind of uh, take on what's happening around about us. But it does mean that unity means that if, if we want to experience unity, we have to understand uh, that unity is way more important than our own personal preferences, our own uh, personal view on things. But God is looking for his church to be unified with one purpose, one mind, in one accord, to see his kingdom come and his will be done. And of course, um, that, is, that is fundamentally important uh, that we, we lay aside our personal preferences because what we wanna see is we wanna see God's kingdom come. And 
David knew this. He knew that the key to blessing was unity. He said in Psalm 133, how good it is and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity for the Lord has there commanded the blessing life forevermore. So this is a time for us as a church to be unified. The greatest cause of all is not a political party. The greatest cause of all is not any movement on this planet. The greatest cause of all is the cause of Jesus Christ, the salvation of those who are lost, the salvation of those who can't live with strength for today and hope for tomorrow because they don't know the one who brings through the work of his grace strength for today and hope for tomorrow. And above all, the most important thing on the planet is that you and I, as people who know the love of God, who know the grace of God, who know the forgiveness of God, who know that there is a plan, God is sovereign. There is a purpose that's been established. There is a place for every one of us within that. And when we find that it brings us peace and joy and it energizes us and causes us to live with great strength and great hope for the future. That's why Paul encouraged the church, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. I want to close with a verse that was highlighted to me recently as I was thinking about what's happening in our nation and happening around the world for that matter. And it's a verse of, of King Solomon. Solomon, of course, was renowned for his wisdom. And he wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 18, a verse that I believe helps to keep us unified in a time of extremes and keeps us unified in a time of polarization. And this is what he says in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 18. It's best to stay in touch with both sides of an issue. A person who fears God deals responsibly with all of reality, not just a piece of it. There's some great wisdom there. It's so easy to get caught up in the extremes. It's so easy for us to come to conclusions with only pieces of reality. So easy for us to make judgments when we don't see the whole picture, when we don't know the whole story. So easy for us to become polarized because we're, not seeing, we're only seeing things from one point of view. And I believe that this is such a powerful verse that for us at this particular time, Let's not get caught up in all of the extremes that are taking place, but let's keep focused. Let's keep focused on what is going to bring the kind of change to our nation that is going to bring hope and strength, strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Let's focus on God's sovereignty. Let's focus on uh, our divine purpose. And let's focus on unity, godly unity that will, that will cause us to come closer and draw closer to God, closer to each other, rather than dividing us and pulling us and pushing us apart. That, I pray, will be our experience at this time. And as we do that, I believe we'll know 
God's blessing. We'll know strength for today and hope for tomorrow. May that be our portion. May that be what we experience. And may great grace, mega grace, be upon us all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I pray that that message encouraged you. And if you have never, ever accepted Christ as your Savior, never invited Jesus to, to touch your life, to come into your heart, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I want to take a moment to encourage you to pray a prayer with me that I know will transform your life, not just for time, but for eternity. Jesus came in the middle of time. He was born so that you and I could be forgiven, so that we could know our Heavenly Father, come home to our Heavenly Father. He came to demonstrate God's love to us. And the greatest demonstration of that was when He hung on a cross and He took upon Himself our sins so that the punishment that was due to us would be paid for and the price of that would be paid of our sins would be paid for by him and all you have to do is to accept what he did it's the free gift of God for you maybe you prayed this prayer in the past but you want to make a recommitment of your life to Christ I encourage you to pray this and I know that God's going to fill your life with strength and hope as a result of it let's pray Heavenly Father I thank you today for your great love for me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place so that I could be forgiven, so could I, that I could receive the gift of salvation, the promise of eternity in heaven with you. And I thank you today. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is causing my spirit to come alive to you and I am being born again. I am a new creation. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. I thank you for that today in Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we are so glad it's the greatest prayer anyone could ever pray. And on the screen are a number of different ways that you can connect with us. We wanna help you in whatever way we can to take the next steps. We have a great course called Following Jesus, an opportunity for you to learn the fundamentals of your faith. And we want to help you to take the next step into all that God has for you. Uh, you just made the greatest decision anyone could ever make. And we want to do everything we can to help you. We're here for you. And we're so excited for all that is to come in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to take a moment right now to talk about our giving. Um, of course, uh, we uh, can only function as a church. We can only do the things that we do because of the generosity of God's people. And we want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. We want to thank you in a very difficult season for those of you all who have contributed, all who have been faithful in the giving of your donations, your tithes, and your offerings, because it's made it possible for us to do all that we do, not just through our online services, not just through keeping our building 
uh, going, even while we weren't able to meet in it, but what we're able to do in the community. We've been going out into the community. We're feeding hundreds of people every week. And, and, and over the last eight months, thousands upon thousands of people, and, and we've continued to have different ministries Grief Share and other ministries that have been helping people who are navigating difficult times and difficult seasons. And all of these things are only possible because of your generosity and your giving. So thank you for all that you do. And as we give today, I just want to encourage you with, with uh, the truth of, of God's word. God's word says that God, when we give, God promises that he will do a number of things. First of all, if we tithe, God says he'll open the windows of heaven. How many of you would like to live under an open heaven when it comes to your finances? God will open the windows of heaven. God multiplies the seed that we sow. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you, back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. So the word of God is full of promises. I wanna encourage you, remind God of his promises. As you give, say, God, I'm giving, and I'm reminding you of your promise of what you will do. I'm giving in obedience to you. I'm giving because I wanna honor you. I'm giving because I know that this is pleasing to you. I'm giving to you because I want to put my treasure where my heart is in the kingdom. And I'm giving to you knowing that when I do, you will give back to me and that my giving will not only bless others, but you'll make provision for my future. So let's believe God for that. Thank you for your generosity. Let me pray for you as you give. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that you have done for each and every one of us. Everything we has, have comes from you. And Lord, we thank you that uh, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are faithful. You see the sacrifice, you see the generosity, and you will honor all that we do because we honor you. Bless those who give, and may we continue to make a difference in our world. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. All my regrets and my failures, all of my wrongs have been left at the cross. All that remains is the Father's love.
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that uh, you have been encouraged by our worship, the home section, the word. And uh, this week, of course, is a big week with the election coming up. But it's also a big week for us as a church because next Sunday, November 8th, 11 a.m., we're going to have our first service in our church building for eight long months. And I'm so excited about it. I have a word in my heart. I know our worship team are ready to go. And we're going to be providing multiple options for people. You can watch online if you would like, or you can come to the church and we'll have seating outside the front of the church with monitors there. You can be as distant as you want from people. There's plenty of space. We'll be practicing social distancing and and, and observing all of the protocols both outside and inside the service where we'll have space for people uh, to come into the service. So three options at home, at the front of our building or in our building. We have a kids program that will be ready. We're excited about it. You can check out all the details on the website and we'd love to see you there. Our coffee team are going to have coffee for us. I don't know about you, but I've missed those flat whites on Sunday morning and you can have one of those uh, or whatever kind of coffee you would like. And uh, it's going to be a great day and a significant day for us. Get the word out. Um, make sure you you take uh, you, you get yourself ready. Of course, we're, we're, we're enjoying daylight saving now. Got more more time in the morning. Uh, but let's, let's, uh, let's get ourselves ready for what will be a great day. And uh, I pray that God blesses you this week, that you know God's peace and you know God's grace and you know God's favor in extraordinary ways. So I pray that the Lord would bless you. He would keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you now and evermore. In Jesus name, amen and amen. Can't wait to see you next Sunday, 11 a.m. God bless you. See you then.